once again to Pop Pop Culture, the official podcast of Pop Pop Fizzle, the YouTube channel hosted by Jeff and Heidi. I'm Jeff. I'm Heidi. And we are back with another podcast episode. Uh, we do this podcast, of course, because we love to talk about things that we can't always talk about on YouTube. Uh, we've got a different kind of show for you today, and we're kind of excited about it. Yeah. A little bit different. Um, so we um, do a lot of television watching. We uh, we've been doing a lot of that lately, especially uh, as we've been doing reactions on our channel. Uh, if you have not watched our YouTube channel, we'll, of course, include the links in the show notes for that. Um, but we've been watching several shows um, recently from DC Universe's Stargirl uh, to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is in its final season. Um, and then BBC's Class, which is a few uh, years old now um, and apparently not coming back for any further seasons. But we've been watching and sharing our reactions on YouTube yeah. uh, for a while now. And uh, and then, of course, before that, back before we took our sabbatical from the channel. And Hiatus. We were, yeah, we were busy moving and doing all kinds of things. We uh, were doing a lot of movie reactions and, and trailer reactions and movie reviews and that kind of thing. So... Um, yeah, th this kind of stems from all of that, and it's a cultural notion, especially in pop culture, in fandom circles, that kind of thing, where if you get fans in a room, you're always going to have um, questions about which fandom, which thing, which show, which movie, which, which is the best, series which is, is best, which book series, which, you know, is the book better than the movie and all these things. You get all these questions. And um, if you're in a decent group of people, you can have those com uh, conversations and, and they can be fun without leading to um, uh, argument bloodbath. and toxicity and uh, Twitter ranting and those kinds of things. Um, so today, Heidi and I uh, want to... Uh, basically, just give some hot takes on one thing versus another. This is the the versus episode, the versus battle. Um, we're going to pit two things against each other. I've made a list of quite a few things that we're going to talk about. Heidi does not know I what these subjects are. Of course, Heidi, if you think of anything, you can throw them in as well. Yeah, I, um, think, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to your list, and if there's something that I feel like you've left out, I'll go gotcha. ahead and throw it out there. Gotcha. So we're going we're gonna to start kind of easy, and then we'll delve into some deeper things. But I want to start where we've been uh, watching for the last uh, several weeks, which is DC Universe's Stargirl and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, they're both centered in superhero universes. They are both TV series, which have been given about 13 episodes each. This season. This season, to tell their story. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., however, in its seventh season, so a lot more character building over time. Uh, Stargirl, in its first season, season one, doing a lot of groundwork um, and prepping for more seasons to come. Uh, hopefully in their, you know, in their right. future. Right. Right. So the question is now in this versus thing, which comes out on top for you, uh, DC Universe of Stargirl or Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? You tell me your thoughts and then I'll give you mine. 
Yeah, this is going to be really tough because, as you said, um, Stargirl is in its first season. And it's uh, really, you know, as we've said, if you've ever watched us before, sometimes a show will take a little bit of time to find its legs to kind of feel around where its characters and its directors and everything is supposed to kind of gel together. And Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is in its seventh and final season. So, you know, they've had that time to really make everything gel. So it's really hard to kind of pit them again against each other um but i will have to land in marvel's agents of shield um i feel like you know the characters yes you do need to have like the history and the other six seasons behind it to really understand where they're coming from but the um i feel like the storylines have been really fun they've been really knocking out of the park every episode um i think there's one i think we we said that was maybe not our most favorite but even that was a really good callback to another season that we've really enjoyed so i'll have to go with the nostalgia of it uh, in general, just because it is um, a, a set of characters that we've come to grow and love. Now, that's not to say that I don't love Stargirl and um, the different sets of characters there, right. but we are still meeting them. We're still learning them, and it's I want to give them time to learn to love them even more, so I'll still have to land on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's that's the thing. I tried to, in, in picking these battles. I tried to pick things that I felt were on fairly even ground to some extent. Now, I didn't want any obvious knockouts. Um, I wanted it to be at least a fair conversation. So uh, Stargirl and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., both dealing in sort of superhero drama, both with the same number of episodes this season. Um, But as you said, one show has had a lot longer to build Uh, out its character dynamics and those sorts of things. I will say in Stargirl's favor that there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot more colorful in its tone Mm. than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is sort of grounded in the spy genre with some superheroes thrown in. Stargirl is very clearly, nostalgically superhero. Um, So it gives them both a different flavor and a different tone. If you were comparing Stargirl season one to, say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one, specifically the first 13 episodes, you might, you know, it might be a different story for me. Um, They would be much, much closer. But as it is, I'm going to land with you and say that uh, season seven of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to come out on top. Loving Stargirl, definitely excited to see how it's going to end its season Um, and very sad to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. go. But of the two, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to have to come out on top. Um, let's step out of something that specific and go with a more general topic right now, which is still uh, culturally relevant, especially given what you and I do. We do a lot of YouTube broadcasting. We do a lot of this, a lot of podcasting. This is, this is more new to us, yeah. um, but they're both means of communicating how we feel about pop culture, uh, whether it's movies or television or books or whatever. Um, So for you, Heidi, do you prefer the format of YouTube or the format of podcasting? Which one do you feel like comes out on top? Um, For me, I I feel like both are really valid forms of entertainment um, or, you know, uh, getting information but for me it's how you use the media and I feel like 
I will never sit down and necessarily just sit and listen to a podcast. And I, I know that a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people will do that, uh, will listen to podcasts in the car while they're commuting, sure. um, while they're working out or whatever it is. And I feel like that's a really great use of the time and a really great um, purpose for a podcast. Um, but for me, like when I'm commuting, I'm uh, usually on the phone or uh, I'm listening to music and same thing when I am working out I am usually listening to music it's just because I want to not have to focus so for me uh, YouTube I can sit down and watch it and and be entertained that can be my activity at that time so uh, for me YouTube is more my preference but again I feel like that's just a preference for a lot of people and what they what they plan to do spending their time right i for me this issue comes down to what i like to do versus what i prefer to take in so for me i enjoy podcasting i enjoy this setting because it's more laid back um we don't have to get you know as pretty as we can get anyway for (laughs) cameras and um and it's just a more natural way to tackle topics Um, i'm not worried about keeping it under a certain amount of time i'm not worried about um, it just feels more freeing to me uh, as far as when we're producing content yeah but for taking in content youtube for me is the clear winner because um when i'm watching youtube i'm gen i'm generally actually watching it and not tuning out like if I'm just listening to something, and this is where I've had an issue with like audiobooks, when I'm listening to something and I'm driving, my driving brain is thinking a lot a lot more things than what whatever's happening in the audiobook. So I tend to lose whatever's being said. Um, I miss out on some things. I'm not a good multitasker mentally. No. no. Uh, I get distracted very easily about things. And so um, for me, if I'm just listening to a podcast, unless I'm somewhere where I don't have anything else to do, then I'm going to miss most of what's being said. I need to be able to hone in and focus. And so for me, taking in information, YouTube is the better way to do it because I'll actually pay attention to that. Um, If it's just sound coming into my ear, I'm probably going to be doing other things and invariably I'm going to lose something. So for me, and it's probably just a weakness of my own uh, brain, uh, I'm going to have to say YouTube for me wins that one. Um, Let's go into something more specific and then we'll we'll, we'll tackle some more um, general topics as well. But um, let's go into genre for a minute. Oh. Horror versus comedy now we can talk movies we can talk television but when it comes to genre itself what lands on top for you i think i know the answer to this and i think you know my answer and we're probably not going to agree but i'll i'll give you a chance to speak for yourself okay well um you know, I know you know what the answer is for me, um, because if we sit down with no plan in mind as far as what to watch, I usually want to watch something funny. Like, comedy is kind of like a nice escape, a nice release from a lot of the day-to-day, especially for me since I do work in healthcare. So it's like I'd rather have something funny to watch and kind of escape from. And yeah, your job is horror. My job is horror, <laughs> yeah. It really is. Um 
but you know, uh, to many, many people, uh, I, you know, many a conversation and um, meal has been ruined by me recounting my day. So uh, let's not <laughs> let's not just keep going into my entertainment with horrible things. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy horror, like good horror though. Like I don't like cheesy schlocky unless it's meant jump to be scares. You're jump- not a fan of the jump scare. Oh my gosh, there, there. That's like the cheapest, lowest form of entertainment, in my opinion. I'm so so sorry for people who enjoy them. I don't really know anyone who does. Right. So like mainly because that's the kind of scare you can get from your nine year old hiding in a closet. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, so, yeah. So, for me, as far as an actual genre is concerned, comedy is my preference. Now, I do enjoy horror movies. But, and, you know, sometimes when I uh, I lose my lose my choice and, like, we, we say we decide what we're going to watch and um, something else wins, I'll sit and watch a horror movie and enjoy it. And that's okay. But uh, my preference, if it's me picking, you know, it's always going to be comedy. Yeah. I think they're both difficult genres to write for oh, uh, for sure. as, a, as a writer i can say that they're both difficult um humor and horror um because they're so grounded in reality and in truth um horror in a different kind of way yeah. but they're both uh, you know have to stay connected to realism or else you lose, you lose the so power much. of those genres um i i am drawn to both um my earliest memories um of watching movies with my parents are watching old comedies from uh, Hope and Crosby road pictures to Marx Brothers comedies to, um, you know, all sorts of things. The uh, Rock Hudson, Doris Day comedies, the um, those sorts of things. So all of those play a big part in sort of my history, but also scary movies um you know both the classic sort of horror pictures but also growing up watching scarier and scarier things i think for me as long as it's not pointless uh horror tends to stick with me um it's hard for me to choose between those two because i have a fondness for both um but i think as far as what i'm drawn to more if the idea behind it is unique and the vision behind it is unique i'm much more easily drawn into a horror idea than i am comedy i think because comedy like i said is so hard to write that yeah. a lot of it feels like i've seen it before yeah it, it's really hard to same, land that and the same is true for horror um in a lot of cases that unfortunately like with any genre um, a lot of things get greenlit that are not very original that that you know you do feel like you've seen before, but I think especially over the last decade we've gotten quite a few mm. horror movies that stand out for being very original. From things like It Follows to Hereditary, there are mm. some really good lights out. Sure, and there's some even, really great movies. Even that, on television, you know, The House on Haunted Hill. The, the Haunting of Hill House? Haunting of Hill House. I'm yeah. sorry. No, yeah, that's okay. the, because It's an I, easy, easy uh, I believe up. that there are like, so many different ways to iterations that uh, things have actually been out. Uh, but yeah, that uh, on Netflix, I think it was, not a right. sponsor. Um, yeah, that was so well done. Like, well, and even so, something like Stranger Things in yeah. its first season, uh, although very much a vehicle for nostalgia, is also a horror film. Yeah. And... Uh, and 
captured people's attention because it was unique and different yeah. than what they had seen before. So, so I feel like, yeah, like you said, a lot of it's been really good over the last few years. So I, I've really enjoyed a lot of the unique things that have been coming out or well done, uh, redone things. So I, yeah, horror is great. But if you, if I just want to relax, then it's going to be comedy. All right. Now I'm going to throw you the first tough one, <gasps> or at least I'm considering it a tough one. Oh, a toughie. Okay. You ready? Okay. Are you channeling how ridiculous? Calling I, it a I, am, I am. Okay. I love how, uh, hi guys, not sponsors either, obviously. <laughs> yeah, totally not listening to this, but that's okay. Um, okay. In the same genre, Buffy the Vampire Slayer versus Supernatural. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I feel like that is not necessarily the most fair comparison because Supernatural still going. Um, well, this is true. Yeah. So uh, we, I believe, dropped out of watching that. Maybe I feel like we watched a lot of it, but I feel like we probably dropped out. Maybe season five. And six when or you seven. say dropped out, what you mean is that we cut ties with cable, did yes. not have easy access to it, yes, and just didn't work too hard to get it. Yes. So, and it's not for it being something that we didn't want to watch. We watched it every week when it came out, but yes, we did cut the cord to cable about, I'd say about 12 to 14 years ago now, almost no. Yeah. About 12 years ago. Was it really? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, yeah. But we were still watching, I think on, on Hulu for a while. We did. We did. We did catch up on it, uh, on Hulu for a while, but we, uh, we got lost in the (laughs) plethora of shows that we needed to catch up. Yeah. There was, uh, there was a point in time where, yeah, we did have viewing lined up on a nightly basis. Uh, it got a little ridiculous, several shows at a time. Yeah. It was very ridiculous. Um, and it's not to say that any of those shows were like, you know, powerhouses, but we, we were still used to like, you know, the weekday lineup of like, you know, how the networks still did, you know, like several hours of shows in between news programs. Sure. So, you know, we, we had all of that stuff lined up and it just kind of, I, I don't remember what it was up against that we just were like, we can't do this. It was funny because the, the arrival of the DVR back in the day. Ooh, that was a big deal. Came with the promise of you didn't have to worry about missing your favorite shows. What they didn't tell you is that with, with the sort of advent of being able to record those shows in a way that that you could instantly go back and watch them and skip through commercials and all those things, it didn't take away the risk of being spoiled by people at work the next day. There's that. Uh, even before everybody was online. Yes. It, and so, you know, you had to see those things. You still kind of were tied to yeah, a per- night to the, watch the, the thing. The proverbial uh, water cooler and all Now that. it feels like with binging that it doesn't matter anymore. If you care about something and not being spoiled, you better watch that thing as soon as it drops. Burn your eye holes out uh, <laughs> watching it for 12 or 13 hours straight. Um, Are you still or else, watching? Yeah. Or else somebody's going to, yeah. When, when Netflix asks you like five times in the course of a series, are you still watching this? Yes. 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 Your bony skeleton is still eating that popcorn. Because if you, because if I don't watch this, then when I scroll through Facebook or Twitter tomorrow, somebody is going to spoil something. Yeah. So it's a really difficult question to say between the two things, Buffy versus Supernatural. It should be as easy as asking which child you prefer. Right. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. How about neither? (laughs) No. Um, Depending on the moment. Depending on the moment, indeed. Um, I would have to say, though, with all of that, I still have to say Buffy. 
Like, okay. I really do. I really enjoyed Supernatural. I really like the arcs that the characters taked. Uh, taked. Uh-oh. Taked. It's, taked. It's, this is because we're filming late. We're recording late. We are. We're not <laughs> filming either. I just can't talk either, so okay. it's fine. So, like, I really enjoyed the arcs that the characters took. Um, kind of Tooked it. Tooked it. Okay. Tooked. T-O-O-K-T? Tooked. Yes. Um, no, there's two Ks, honey. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed like the the landscapes that they visited, the different like uh, ideas that they explored. Um, I, I really did enjoy Supernatural. So this is not me putting it down in any way, no. shape, or form. But I'll have to say Buffy because I feel like as a series, it was very well put together. Um, you know, there were some things, of course, as her always that were just like not my favorite things but uh, as a cohesive whole it told a story from start to begin to start to end start to beginning start to beginning that's a trick oh gosh start to end um that was cohesive it included all sorts of ideas and uh characters that came and went it was really just something i could sit back and enjoy it all over again and not spend two weeks we've watching gotten, it. i would i will say that we've probably gotten a lot more rewatchability out of old buffy episodes than we have even our favorite supernatural episodes mm-hmm. there are some episodes of supernatural that we've gone back to multiple times the mystery spot is one oh that that's one of to. my favorites over and over again, a lot of uh, season one mm-hmm. uh, stands out for me as Supernatural. Um, I I tend to prefer those early seasons of Supernatural to the later stuff. I think once we got into Angels and everything else, is a big big fandom around all of that. But that's where the show kind of lost its way for me. I preferred just the two brothers doing their thing and and the search for dad and and all of those things. Um, Still love it. Still definitely want to catch up on seasons that we've missed right. eventually. I, th- I feel, yeah, I feel like if we do catch up on them, I think we'd be able to answer that question I, better. I think we'll still probably land on Buffy just because of the impact that that show has left, including the fact that you and I would not be sitting here doing this together were it not for Buffy the this, Vampire Slayer. This is a true story, yes. Uh, we met in the Buffy fandom. Um, that's where our connection sort of started. Um, but, yeah, so I think it'll always, for that reason of nothing else, hold a special place for us. And, you know, even as far as who I am as a writer, I mean, if you throw in all of the sort of influences on me and how I approach things, that sort of influence is definitely there. Um, you know, there are all sorts of influences at play always uh, when I sit down and write, but uh, I would definitely say um, those early fandoms for me where I was really in, um, definitely my love for them shows and the stuff that I write. So I would definitely land on Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well. Although if we're talking about song- soundtracks, I'll have to say Supernatural is way better. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the soundtrack for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but... I, I'll land on Supernatural. I, I'm not as I'm not as knowledgeable about the music that was played in Supernatural, probably. Mm. Not that I was knowledgeable about the movie, the music that was played in Buffy either, but I remember buying those soundtracks and listening to them. So, all right. Um, okay, so this one is going to be more personal to you. Uh oh. So, um, and I I know easily where I stand on this. Okay. But I suspect that it may be a more difficult call for you although maybe not i don't know we'll see okay okay so in the next versus battle we have gargoyles versus 
Darkwing Duck. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And for listeners who don't understand why this would be a difficult choice for her, uh, both of these cartoons uh, hold um, a special place in Heidi's heart, I think, for various reasons. So uh, for me, it's an easy call, but I will tell, tell you my thoughts on that later. For now, we'll let Heidi uh, decide for herself. Okay, so you are not wrong. Darkwing Duck has been... One of my favorites since forever. Um, I loved its addition to um, afternoon cartoon viewing, uh, coming home from school and that right. sort of thing. But no, Gargoyles, without a doubt. Again, um, I am throwing away season three, as most fans do, because it's not a real season and it wasn't written by, directed by, or produced by the same people who did the first two seasons. So throw that away. If you take the first two seasons and put them together, they are a beautiful, well-told story, start to end, uh, with um, beautiful weaving and organic stuff. Um, The way the characters grew together, the way the story unfolded it was uh, a really great weaving of like shakespeare and like medieval history and modern uh, accommodations to people who didn't understand you know the the gargoyles who came out of the uh, medieval era trying to acc- acclimate to modern society it was i felt like just a really great story all the way through so i'll have to land uh, as much fun as i've had with darkwing duck i'll have to land on gargoyles i, I think the reason that this is a uh, more of an easy choice for me to make is that i didn't really watch darkwing duck i watched ducktales I watched, I know, uh, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. I watched, what was it, Tailspin? Oh, yeah. All those things that were on around the same time, I watched a lot of them. Um, some of them more in passing than others. Uh, DuckTales, for sure, I watched a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that I ever really watched a lot of Darkwing Duck. And I don't know why. I don't know um, why either. Mainly because, you know, you would think that given how into superheroes I always was that I would jump at the chance to have another superhero show to watch. I didn't, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, I know. So my, my Darkwing Duck knowledge is next to, next to nil. Um, however, Gargoyles I did watch, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember enjoying it. And because I think it was more... You know, along the lines of like Batman the Animated Series and that kind of thing where it wasn't adult, but it felt more adult. Like it felt, it didn't feel like it was pandering to children. It felt like it was trying to tell a story. Right. And that's that's the thing. The characters were really well developed for uh, an animated series. And that's the thing. Like I I will not call it a cartoon. And that's the the thing. It's that it was an animated series. A a total precursor to a lot of animated things that we see today that are not necessarily made for children. Um, And so because it was more of a series, the people that were involved, the characters were way more three-dimensional than most people would find on uh, other animated things at that time. Right. So it, I, th- I feel like it was unfortunate that it failed to land where I think the creators wanted it to, but I think it was just ahead of its time. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there were several series that kind of had that approach where they were trying to tell the story and they weren't really... Like, they may have known that their audience was of a certain age, but they weren't talking down to that age. They mm-hmm. were just trying to tell the story. I think Gargoyle stands out for being one of those. 
Um, the short-lived, now I may be wrong because it, I may be looking through the rose-colored glasses of bad memory, but um, <laughs> but I remember um, an animated series called Pirates of the Dark Water that also felt a bit like that, like it was not trying necessarily to be kid-friendly. Um, I could be misremembering that. Um, it was a short-lived series. I know... Uh, my good, it. my good friend Ryan Jennings was a big fan of that series when it was on, um, and there were some other series around there that kind of had that vibe. But um, I don't know. I to me that always sort of lends itself better to um, holding up, you know, as time goes, giving it a timeless feeling because kids change from generation to generation. What's popular with you know, an eight-year-old today Whew. would not have flown with an eight-year-old 10 years ago and vice versa. Right. So if you're just telling the story in the best way you can, right. um, I think that goes a lot further to making something timeless. And I think that's why Gargoyles has the fan base that it does and continues to have people asking for its return and to have Disney step in and do some more stuff or commit to something else. Right. Um, that'll kind of lead us into our next verses, though. Oh, boy. Um there are plenty of properties um, that we have enjoyed, whether we're talking about, you know, uh, Marvel stuff, DC stuff, um, you know, stuff like Buffy, stuff like Supernatural or whatever. There are plenty of properties that are just fantastic ideas, but how those ideas are delivered can make a real difference. So what I want to do for this verse is, is for you to imagine a property perhaps that you care about or enjoy that has not made its way to the big screen or to television, like something from a book, something from a comic series, whatever, um, or even just a potential spinoff that you've heard about or whatever. And let's think about the delivery mechanism of animation versus live action. Mm. Now, I think those are very different questions depending on whether you're talking about television or whether you're talking about the big screen so we can debate that a little bit but um about 10 years ago i would have said for a lot of fantasy or well, i'd say at least for sure 20 years ago 15 or 20 years ago that Technology just wasn't quite to the place. I think Lord of the Rings was one of the first things to come in and kind of show us that technology was there for a lot of those things that we didn't think it was quite there for yet. And then the MCU and the and the DCEU and some of those films have pushed the boundaries a little bit further out. Some of the sci-fi that we've gotten has pushed the boundaries out. So a long time ago, I would have said, if it's a big idea, you're going to have to do it in animation because you won't be able to afford to do it any other way, and I won't buy it if the effects are bad. So I would have gone animation. But today, I think that's wide open. So the question then falls to, what's the best way to tell the story? Given any particular property, uh, and, and you don't have to name a property, but given just the notion of storytelling, do you tend to prefer one over the other? Um, actually, I really don't think I do have a preference. I feel like... Um, if a writer, director, producer, house, whatever, you know, 
they want to tell a story, I think it really is up to them to decide the best way to do that story um, because the technology is there. Right. Um, you know, we, we got the animated Clone Wars stuff, and yeah, that would have been amazing to see live action, but, you know, it was really great to watch as an animated series. But then we got The Mandalorian, which was live action, um, with a lot of great technology. Right. So it was done really... And so both sets... So yes, this is both Disney and Star Wars. Um, so we're just kind of comparing the two right there. I think that's a great place to compare, yeah. Yeah, so I mean... Do I feel The Mandalorian could have done well as an animated series? I think so. But I can't imagine it like that. And the same thing goes for the Clone the Clone Wars stuff. Uh, could well, it have been a live action? And had you done the Clone Wars live action, would you have gotten as many episodes mm-hmm. for as many seasons as you did? Right. I think that's an unknown. You know, um, For me, I think it comes down to what vehicle best tells your story. And when I think about animation where animation was you know 20 years ago and where it is today when we have like pixar movies that can feel so if not real i mean they're obviously animated and they're not going for necessarily photo realism Mm -hmm. but they still tug at the emotions they still make you feel what they're trying to make you feel and they take you along on the story that they're taking you on i mean just recently we enjoyed uh, Onward when it dropped to Disney Plus, ah, mm-hmm. and um, those kinds of things. And I think it, you know, it, it was it was obviously a fantasy world that was created for. But I, I enjoyed getting to know the world. I enjoyed getting to know the characters. I enjoyed going on the emotional journey. And I think that that would not have worked as a live action film no. in nearly the same way. Right. Um, likewise. I feel like the MCU movies, for instance, would not have done as well in an animated form. No. No matter how great the voice cast might have been or whatever, because it's the the chemistry of the actors and getting to see what we're used to seeing as sort of the flat four-color hero in real color, real 3D, real life Um, taking place on screen, real adventures, real power manifest. So to me, you know, I think it depends on the story that you're trying to tell. Right. And I feel like we're, uh, this is a really great time to have this discussion because now the people who are putting these things together and putting them out actually have that choice. Like, Yes, can we do it live action? We've got the technology to make it look fantastic. Yes, can we do it animated? We have the technology to make it look fantastic. So I feel like it, it's the choice of the people who put it out, but they need to make the right choice. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think it, that comes down in, you know, ultimately to trusting the vision of the creators to know what they're shooting for. I, I for one, think something like Gargoyles, which we've already talked about, wouldn't have worked certainly not in the era that it was made Ooh. had they attempted any sort of live action the effects wouldn't have been there no um it would have looked really hokey yeah and there are some series that attempted that kind of thing and and were hokey and and maybe you know they had their fan base anyway i'm, I'm thinking of things like hercules and xena and those kind of things that could mm. be kind of hokey in a fun way but they also didn't go too crazy with um 
the kinds of effects that you would need for something like a gargoyle. So no. where where they might have worked because they were tongue in cheek anyway. Right. It was easy to overlook those things because they knew that it wasn't serious and you were along for the ride. I think Gargoyles needed to take itself seriously to mm-hmm. tell the stories it was telling. And so you could only have done that in, in animation, animation at that time. At the time. Um, likewise, though, I think, you know, like I said, these Marvel movies, I think, um, you know, there there have been decent animated films from Marvel and from DC and that kind of thing. And I almost always, with very little exception, prefer the live action. Yeah. Um, Let's take a villainous turn. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. As far as villains go, Sauron versus Palpatine. Oh, okay. Um, I'll have to say that as far as... Both the- enduring evils beyond the point of even being able to believe that they're enduring. Yes, <laughs> there is that. Um... So it, that is a tough one. So Lord of the Rings was not native to me. Uh, the first time I had anything to do with it was watching the the movies that came out. Um, I didn't really know the story. I didn't know. Uh, never read you that. You uncultured swine. I know. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm t- you know what? It's, it's interesting. There are so many uh, different fandoms in the universe, really. Um, it's it's likely that everybody's got one or two that's super popular that maybe other people just are not interested oh, absolutely. in. So, um, but I did enjoy the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, perhaps not the extended editions, but I remember we're not, we're not comparing movies. No, we're no, no, comparing no. villains, villains, villains. Um, but so to put it there, um, I did enjoy uh, Emperor Palpatine. However, I'll have to say as a villain, somebody who really had a plan and tried to go through and really get there uh, very patiently, I'll have to go for a Sauron. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you there. I think they're both fantastic villains and they both have their moments um, for certain. And, um, and I think given, you know, if you broke it apart film to film and said like, Sauron in this movie versus Palpatine in this movie, you might, you might get a different answer out of me. Um, but yeah, I think overall the notion of an evil that you can defeat, but not quite destroy. And it's just going to keep trying to come back. Uh, I know they tried that with Palpatine, (laughs) I think less, less successfully. Um, but I, I think to me that notion of that there's this history of this world where everyone knows what happened with Sauron. Everyone knows what happened when the elves and men and everything fought Sauron. And, and, and that it's still this whispered of thing. Right. And he's just growing in the darkness and growing his power and waiting for another chance. And all of that, to me, that makes for a better villain. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's he's less a mustache twirling villain and just more of like it's an this enti- inspiration it's an yeah, yeah that, that he's that he's poisoning things around him yeah um whereas palpatine just has power mm-hmm. and yeah he and, had a plan for sure but he was more short short-sighted right well but i mean he has power and he and he certainly used it well 
uh, he was able to get rid of all the Jedi and and uh, bring the Republic to an end. But but the notion of I mean that's one guy with a plan who uses the institutions around him to affect yeah, that plan. I, you know, and you know I love the whole political maneuvering thing. So sure. I didn't mind that stuff so much. Where I know like a lot of people found that to be really dumb or just not something that they wanted from their Star Wars. I really enjoyed that part. Right. Whereas Sauron is, you know, all of the heroes, all of the people know what evil he is. And he's just continuing to work in the shadow and corrupt and build power. And and the few that he does sort of corrupt and sway to his side, it's over a long period of time. And... Right. When you talk about like a character like Saruman, who it's he literally feels like he's coming back and we're not strong enough to stop him, so I might as well be on his side. Right. Well, that's bad. That, yeah. You know, that's, that, that's, this, this seems bad. All right. So, um, so for me, yeah, Sauron's going to win that battle just because I think that sort of enduring, yeah, that lingering, lingering, festering, poisonous evil is uh, a scarier prospect than somebody, some a man, would... no matter how powerful he might be. Right. Um, okay, here's an easy one. Hardcovers versus paperbacks. Ooh. Okay. I have a preference. I don't know if you do. I, ooh, that's really rough because. I'm going to throw you a couple of easy ones, so. Okay. This is an easy one, so don't think about it too hard. Okay. Honestly, uh, Kindle. Okay. Yeah. Charlatan. Uh, I know. A lot of people really enjoy, um, paper under their hands and i respect that deeply however there are some books that i don't want to have to keep forever either so like um not a sponsor again kindle unlimited's great because i can borrow a book and read a few pages decide if i like it or not and then toss it back or read okay, it. okay so let me correct you okay hardcover versus paperback is the question there's okay. not a third option no third option between those two okay. hardcover or paperback hardcover okay Okay. Uh, <laughs> Saying all that yeah. because they look prettier on a shelf. Okay. So connected topic, uh, comic book versus novel. Very different experiences. Ooh. Both capable of telling a story. Indeed. Um, Many a classic work of literature has been translated into comic book and many comics have had novel. Novelizations. Uh, novelizations, yeah. Um, I'm glad you thought of the word novelization because it was nowhere in my brain at that moment. <laughs> um, gosh, that one is, is this supposed to be an easy one too? It, yeah. Okay. Um, I think it really just I mean, depends. it's just, a, it's just an opinion question really. Okay. Um, I think I prefer novels. Okay. Okay. If you're playing along at home, folks, there's no right or wrong answer. You're free to your opinion. Heidi's free to hers. Um, I will. I will say. I will take the. I will take the cop out and say that it depends on much as we said with animation and film. It depends on the subject. It depends on the idea. I think there are plenty of ideas that only work in comic book form, and I think there are plenty of ideas that only work as a novel. And the minute somebody tries to turn them into a movie or mm. a comic or an animation, they just don't work anymore. Yeah. So I would say it depends. Yeah. Uh, that's that was, a cop out. I freely admit it. I'm owning it. That was my original answer, but really, I don't mind. Reading. So now you're just copying me. Uh, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Streaming versus cinema. Ooh. How do you prefer your movie watching experiences? Oh gosh, 
You know, that's rough. So you know, back in the day, as long ago as two thousand long, long time ago, as two thousand nineteen, we used to rate movies as far as we did going out and seeing them because there are some movies that just won't work on your. 46 inch or even 72 inch flat screens there are some movies that are just made for the big screen and it is worth every 20 dollar bill that it takes to get you into the movie theaters to see it because they are a spectacle they're worth seeing that way they really really are however i'll have to say that my enjoyment of say for example every marvel movie that we've seen in the theaters has not diminished for seeing it on the smaller screen in rewatchings at home but some of that may be because you did see it on the big screen first. This is true. This is true. Um, but for regular movies, like dramas and that sort of thing, um, yeah, just streaming's fine. I don't really need to see those on a big screen. I will say, though, I, I'll argue with your spectacle argument just a little bit. Okay. Um, I'll, push, I'll push back a little bit. Because I think a movie like Hereditary wasn't a spectacle. No. But I feel like it. It's served by a big screen experience Indeed. more so than watching it on the on the smaller screen. Right. So I think it depends on the story. Um, I prefer the theater experience. I like the bucket of popcorn that I can just stick my head in and graze. Um, um, I don't stick- like the rats at my feet or the sticky floor, the sticky floor or the clouds of COVID nineteen. But <laughs> right now, um, I kind of miss those days of uh, theater. Theater going. Um, here's here's another one. This is back to genre for a minute. Okay. Um, here's another genre question for you. Fantasy versus thriller. In any media. We can be talking movies. We can be talking books. We can be talking quilts. A fantasy quilt? <laughs> uh, we can be talking football teams. A thriller football team versus a fantasy football team. Thriller football team will fall apart. They're like zombies. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to watch the, the thoughts flow <laughs> across Jeff's face because he was trying to catch my reference there. Uh, That's okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, most of the time it's going to be fantasy. Again, uh, a lot of what I deal with on a day-to-day basis can be horrible. So I would rather escape to something I know isn't quite real but still fun to read. Thrillers, you can believe that those things are happening in real life, and sometimes they're not very nice. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've read some, like, Dean Koontz thrillers and things that, you know, that keep you on the edge of your seat. That Have we enjoyed those. Enjoyed. And same thing with movies. Um, whereas fantasy is so far outside the realm of realism that it's you easy. can just kind of shut yeah. your brain off and enjoy yeah. sometimes. Like popcorn. Right. Um, I would say it, it, you know, again, sort of a cop-out. Typically, I would say fantasy, um, but... Only good fantasy. There's a lot of really bad, like I'm thinking specifically of movies. There's a lot of bad uh, B grade fantasy movies. There's a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad Z grade fantasy novels. Well, yeah, but there's a lot. Yes, there's a lot of we've we've talked about those already. But (laughs) we um, there's a lot of bad thrillers too. You know, a lot of made for TV sort of things, um, uh, basic cable sort of things that are just awful. Um, But typically, I would say fantasy. Okay. Um. Let's see. Let me throw you a good one here. Okay. Okay. James Bond versus Mission Impossible's Ethan Hunt. This is a rough one. Yeah. It's rough because I grew up watching Bond. 
Like, I can't even, I can't even remember how, like, I was, like, maybe five, six, or seven years old for seeing my first Bond movie. In the days of puns and cheesy gadgets. Oh, indeed. And it was just fun. So much fun. Um, But, so, did Mission Impossible start as a TV show? Yes. Okay. So In I the 60s. And I didn't see any of those. So mission, my only exposure to Mission Impossible has been the movies that we've uh, seen in the last, you know, couple decades. Um, I would have to say classic James Bond, like for sure. Uh, as much as I've enjoyed Mission Impossible, quite a, quite a good deal, but just classic James Bond just because of the nostalgia for it for me. I would say James Bond is always going to have a soft spot in my heart, but I'm going to go with Ethan Hunt on this one okay. just because I think the movies hold up more. I, I think when oh, you're sure. once you're into Daniel Craig, James Bond, you get a little more realism and a little more. And I don't think there's anything realistic about Mission Impossible. Don't, oh, no. don't get me wrong. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not tripping there, but I'm just saying. I think you know nobody does full throttle. Throwing himself into danger like Tom Cruise does. Uh, yeah. So I I really like the vibe of especially the last three or four Mission Impossible movies. Really good. Um, really enjoyed them. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ethan Hunt on that one. Okay. I'm um, saving some of the tough ones for the last. Oh my gosh. Um, <sighs> I know. I know. Uh, I don't here's want to know what the tough. Here's ones a are. relatively tough one. Okay. And I uh, concocted this one just for you. Just for me. Heidi, you're in the hot seat. Veronica Mars. Oh boy. Versus Psych. Two very different kinds of detective shows. Oh, incredibly different kind of detective Both shows. Both funny. Both funny. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I loved Veronica Mars. Absolutely loved Veronica Mars. I felt like all the storytelling was great in it. I loved uh, a really fun, strong girl who was able to beat off the people who were trying to bring her down. Rephrase. <laughs> um. Blow them out of the water. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, just really fun to have that, you know, kind of um, subversion of uh, expectations with seeing this cute little blonde girl be able to be a really tough, smart detective. I love that. That's how the world got to know Kristen Bell. Yeah, loved it. But psych. Psych will have to win for me on this one. I love... Um, because you love pineapples. I do love pineapples. I really do. I also really love Dulé Hill yep. and James Roday Rodriguez. Right. Um, but really just enjoy the chemistry. That, the whole cast. I mean, really. Yeah, the it, chemistry of the whole cast together. James and Dulé stand out because they're at the forefront of every episode, but... You know, from Corbin Burnson to Kristen Nelson, I mean, that whole cast, everything that they bring to those characters and to that family unit, uh, Tim O'Munson, I mean, they're all so fantastic in their roles. And I mean, the same can be said of Veronica Mars, talented cast all around. Really great chemistry there, too. I would say, as much as I enjoy Veronica Mars, and I do, it's it's up there for me, um, but I would say Psych has a higher rewatchability for me, mainly because whereas Veronica Mars, because it's a mystery that goes episode to episode, I tend to remember big swaths of that. So it makes it harder for me to rewatch it. Psych is episode to episode, a different thing Mm -hmm. for the most part. So I never remember (laughs) what the actual outcome is. Right. I just watched to, to see James and Dulé doing their 
part. Yeah. It's, it's all about Sean and Gus, right? It really, really is. Um, they were fantastic. But I do love even just the way that the show was put together, the premise of the show. Again, another subversion of expectation with the dumb guy who actually happens to be really brilliant. Um, and just kind of how they put the mysteries together, how he solves them. I, I and, and that's the thing. It's like it was very ep- episodic instead of like an arc. That even though there were uh, arcs in them, I felt like it was really great. And you got to give USA Network a round of applause for their for their launch into original programming when they had shows like Monk and Psych and um, I mean Burn Notice, Burn Notice came later. We had um, the uh, uh, Dead Zone. Oh my gosh! Yes. Um, yes, all of those shows that hit early on they made and just USA were so really, yeah. so different from one another suits suits um a lot of shows that were so different from one another but really stood on their own and yeah. had a, a, a unique vibe love to be love to aside from dead zone all of that was all original no uh remakes replays of anything although almost all of those uh that we mentioned as far aside from dead zone had uh royal like, pains royal pains. royal pains oh my yeah. gosh yes love that show too like they they had their fun episodes and their serious episodes and all of that but like just um a plus for usa network in like the 2000s before putting out all sorts of fantastic original programming okay i've got one more easy one for you oh my gosh before we jump into the final like five which are all tough ones those were easy jeez why not i'm not saying that they were all easy i'm just saying this is an easy one before we jump into more difficult right. things. Okay, so you've already kind of answered this, but okay. this one is about a specific genre. Okay. So I, I didn't allow digital in the conversation about hardcover versus paperback. Okay. But now we're asking the question, digital versus print comics. Ooh, okay. So this is, again, a tough one for me just because I uh, did not really, I've not really delved into comic book reading. Uh, You know, I'm growing, I think we've touched on this a lot of times, but growing up, it wasn't like about um, the paper, the paper comics for me. That was not my introduction into uh, the comic book universe. Uh, My introduction was TV. Sure. Um, So it's really tough for me to say. I, again, I, I know that a lot of people really, really enjoy the paper and just kind of feeling it and collecting it and that sort of thing. But for me, uh, if I'm going to be reading a comic book, I would prefer something digital. Just so, even just so I don't feel like I'm messing it up by touching it. Right. Um, I'm going to go with, it's tough. I, I have enjoyed comics in both forms. I prefer print, but as you well know, <laughs> after a while say a whole lifetime oh yeah print comics take up a lot of space decades yes a lot of space um and so while i still have shelves filled with hardcover collections and trade paperbacks and that sort of thing the actual floppy comics that i have are filling up a storage unit i mean yeah, literally filling it up. There's yeah. like I think half of our storage unit is like floor to ceiling long boxes. And right now, I, for a brief second, I thought you said floor to ceiling. And I'm like, what's a floor to ceiling? Floor to ceiling. Yeah, no, I got it. Okay. I just, yeah, my brain's playing tricks on me. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm literally having some kind of stroke right now oh. while you're listening. Um, <laughs> Better not. Oh, no, no. Um, but for me... Uh, digital comics have always been sort of the way where I'm not sure about a title and whether I want to collect it. So I'll try it 
in the digital and see. Um, or I'll catch something that I didn't catch when it was in floppy and they offer the digital trade at a reduced price later on. And so I'm like, okay, now I'll try that because now it's cheaper and I can just have it here on my device and I'll read it. But digital is really coming to play during this pandemic mm. because I can't get to my local comic book shop. Don't even know if my local comic book shop is open. And um, and really, I, I'm trying not to get out right. a- unless I have to. So for me, digital has been the way to go during the pandemic. Uh, not because I don't want to, I certainly want to support my local comic book shops, but um, right now that's just the easiest way for me to partake in the, um, the thing that I love. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to get into some difficult stuff and I'm going to try to, all the toughies. I'm going to try to arrange these in a way that makes sense for me. Okay. Um, so let's start with, um, out of the toughies, this one I think is the least tough. So okay. let's throw this one at you. As far as female hero representation goes, Wonder Woman versus Captain Marvel. We've had both big, you know, DC and Marvel, the two big players in the superhero game, each offering us female characters, Wonder Woman versus Captain Marvel. Heidi, what's your take? That's going to be rough and... You know, I have to think about, like, you know, people who have been listening to this, uh, hearing me making my decisions, my choices, and wondering, you know, where is the strong female thoughts about any of it, honestly. Um, because it's it's a big deal. A lot of people think about the representation of females in media and superheroes especially. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of thought around it. But I'll have to, like, you put it out there, and my immediate thought was Wonder Woman. So, yeah, uh, she's strong. She's classic. She um, has ideals. She doesn't bow down and she doesn't apologize for who she is. And I love all of that about her. Now, I feel like on screen. Now, these are my my thoughts about the on screen characters. uh, I feel like Captain Marvel hasn't given us that yet. You know, she's strong, she's powerful, she has a sense of self now, she has uh, responsibilities, but... And I think that's fair, because given the amount of screen time that we've had both characters, we had Captain Marvel in her own movie in a tiny bit of Endgame. Right. And then we had Wonder Woman in her, first in Batman versus Superman, Mm -hmm. then in her own film, then in Justice League. So we've seen a little bit more of her. A little bit more. And we'll be seeing a little bit more whenever Wonder Woman 84 finally comes out. Right. It may be another 20 years, given (laughs) the way this pandemic's going. Right. Um, But yeah, but still, even considering that, I feel like it just, uh, she's just a stronger, stronger woman, a stronger character, uh, a stronger sense of self. I just feel like she's just um, a better female hero. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that I agree with you on on Wonder Woman. Um, Again, we're talking strictly movies here. Yeah. And the reason I will say that, I I think both characters have been played admirably by the actresses that are attached to them. Absolutely. Um, Brie Larson, even before Room, which she was, uh, you know, won so much acclaim for, we loved her from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Absolutely. We were were already a, a, a fan of her just from that. So to watch her kind of 
uh, find more acclaim and and uh, take a role as sort of focused on by fan fans were waiting for Captain Marvel. Yeah, uh, fans that read Marvel comics were waiting on that sort of casting. Just like right now, we're waiting for like the Fantastic Four mm. and X Men and wondering what's going to happen in those play in those sorts of um, areas. Captain Marvel was very honed in upon by yeah, the fandom. Very talked and about. I remember when she was cast, I had I had just seen Room, and I think she had just won uh, major awards for that. And and I remember thinking, that's great casting. I see it. Um, and I, I think she got a bad rap because of a lot of the publicity and some of the press that she did where mm. I, I don't think it was what she said so much as how she said it. And I think some of that is you're you're relatively new to the spotlight and you're saying things that you think sound good yeah. and they get taken out of context or you don't understand that there are, you know, sort of uh, problematic parts of the fandom that, you know, are going to hear that wrong. Right. Um, and I, I think people took a lot of things out of context and kind of ran with it. And I think that's unfortunately, that's going to happen. That's right. the world that we live in. But um, but what the only thing that interested me is how how she'll play the character and how the movie will play on its own and how they'll feature her in Endgame. And I remember telling you after we saw Captain Marvel that my one fear was because they made her character so powerful, and she is in the comics. I mean, she's super powerful. That if they just handed her the reins of Endgame and she was the superhero that saved the day at the end i was going to feel like what a waste of all of these films that you've given us to have her just drop in. just come in and fix everything right and i was so glad that they didn't do that both for the sake of her character and also for the franchise as a whole mm-hmm. um that said i thoroughly enjoyed her movie Um, it was, there were moments of it that I could do without just a girl, but there, yeah, I didn't care for some of the musical selections. Um, I I hated that whole scene. Sorry to say. I I wasn't a fan of the Nirvana song appearing in that scene either. Like I get it. I get it. It's set in a certain time. You're trying to bring that to the forefront. I get it. I just felt like they missed the mark in a few places, but I enjoyed the way she played the character. I enjoyed that she was a strong female presence and I enjoyed that it wasn't, it didn't feel like a hammer beating me over the head with feminism 101. Like it was, it was just showing her being strong. She didn't need to be preachy. She didn't need to give anybody a speech. She just was a strong character. And I liked that. Yes. And I liked that that followed through in her presence and in game. Yes, she was tough. Yes, she was cool. Yes, she was OP. But she was used in a good way that showed... And, and she's... You know, she's not a perfect character. Right. She's not a paragon. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, let's cut to Wonder Woman, where I think her first movie was fantastic, but there are moments of it that I find fairly forgettable. I enjoyed her a lot. In Batman versus Superman, even though that movie kind of stinks. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy her in uh, Super Friends. Justice League? <laughs> Justice League. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though that kind of stinks. Yeah. Um, so I have to say that it's a lot of Gal Gadot that I that I actually like. I, I like what she brings to Wonder Woman. And I was a big naysayer on that casting. Yeah, you were. because she, she was Because she was too thin. At the and, time. And she didn't look. And here's the thing. Like, I get it. I, I'm not somebody who thinks Wonder Woman has to look like 
an Amazonian to be believable because she's mythical. She's not, you know. She's not real. Right. I don't need Hercules to look like the Hulk because he's a mythical figure, and I believe that, you know. So, yeah, I, I didn't need her to be super bulky, but at the time that she was cast, she was just known for being a supermodel, and she was rail thin and whatever. But I think the way she carries herself sells her as the Diana that I've come to know in the comics and appreciate. And she does have that sort of mythical air, that sort of, um, you know, paragon of there's trying a, to be... gravitas to her. Yeah, of trying to bring peace into this crazy world of men that she suddenly finds herself in. Um, and I think, you know, moments like um, her running through No Man's Land in her movie... Those kinds of moments really sold me on her in that role. I mean, I was sold by the end of Batman versus Superman mm. anyway. But, um, but yeah, for me, just, you know, not by miles, but I just feel like she's the better representation. I think both do a great job of representing strong women, Absolutely. for sure. Um, and I think both do a great job of not beating the audience over the head with that message. Thankfully. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to give the edge to, to Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, okay. for sure. Okay. Uh, let me see here. What, I, what do I have? What do I have? Um, okay, here's a couple of easier ones. These are uh, one franchise versus another, and some okay. one of them I don't think is necessarily fair. So I'll give you the unfair one first. Lord of the Rings versus Game of Thrones. Oh, Quick take. Okay, Lord of the Rings. Okay. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Ooh, Star Wars. All right. Quick takes. There we go. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Lord of the Rings for sure versus Game of Thrones. Not that Game of Thrones wasn't enjoyable in its own way. Uh, we still haven't seen the end of that, by the way. We still haven't seen the end of that. I, I've heard, because, again, we can't escape spoilers. Some people were not thrilled with the ending. Right. However, um, I think watching Game of Thrones versus watching Star Wars, I think about rewatchability. I think about... Lord of the Rings? I'm sorry, yes. Game of Thrones. Versus Lord of the Rings. Rings. Thank yeah. you. You threw two out at once. Now Sorry. my brain's all confused. Ugh. Okay. Um, versus watching Lord of the Rings. Um, it, there's rewatchability, and then there's family-friendly. And Game of Thrones, once you know kind of how things play out, going back to watch them again, I feel like I really wouldn't want to. So there's that. And then, of course, you cannot view that with children. Like, of course. Even adult. If you have adult children, which Jeff does, uh, that would be very uncomfortable. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And for Star Wars versus Star Trek, I have enjoyed both. Yes. Same. Um, and I have a great fondness for both. And, um, and both have let me down. <laughs> um, and both have thrilled me. Yeah. But I'm still going to go with Star Wars. I, I feel like Star Wars is, because it's more fantasy-based than sci-fi-based. Right. I I was never interested, and this is going to be heresy to any Star Trek fan, so I apologize to you right now. I'm getting closer to the mic because I'm very sincere right now. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> I have never cared for the utopian dream that that star trek tries to give me i don't want to live in a world where money isn't necessary Hmm. i don't want to live in a world where 
you know, like I, I've never been interested in that. It's always seemed unreal to me. It's always seemed now. It's a fine dream to have, I guess. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm just not sure I'm interested in living there. So, I, so that part of it never interests me, and the fact that it seems that what happens to the crew of the Enterprise, whether it's the Next Generation or the original series, or, uh, or, or you know, the crew of the Voyager or whatever, that the things that happen are constantly putting them in a contradiction with the things that they say they uphold, and and the times that they do sort of uphold them, I feel like they weren't always right. Um, I mean, I can understand wanting that idealization of, you know, 24th century, you know, school's free, everyone's we the same. We fixed all the problems. What's yeah. school's free now? Yeah. Like, I, I can see that being an ideal. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting that to be the ideal. But I feel like people are really messy. They really are. And so when you have an idea where, like, money doesn't exist and there's no class, Well, and that's the thing. That if there's thing. no room for mess, there's really no room for people because right. people are going to be messy. Right. And so when you start, um, you know, getting rid of quote-unquote problems, what you're really getting rid of is people. Yeah. Um, just you're getting rid of people who don't think like you. And to me, that's always a problem. That, that's always that, – and that's the thing. That's very problematic in my opinion um, because, you know, we – People, you can celebrate differences in, instead of ignoring them. You know, there's there's a reason for the world being so varied as it is. Um, but also, like, when there is no money, no class, no any of those things, everyone's the same. It's like, mm, people are so messy that there's going to be somewhere in there, there's going to be some conspiracy. There's going to be some people who are wanting to get more of whatever the good stuff is. And it's going to happen no matter what, because people are messy. So even if you want to have egalitarian equality all across the board for every single aspect of variations in life, there are going to be people who want more. It's going to happen. And I think the other part of the other part of Star Trek that causes it to come in second to me in this case is that I feel like I, so much of the stories told have to deal with that sort of, if not political, at least sort of everything's a cultural um, discussion. You know, do we interfere here? Do we uh, remain uninvolved here? Um, what what does Starfleet say versus what do we think is right versus what uh, and it becomes? I'm never interested in that as much as I'm interested in individual characters and what choices they make. Right. Um, so, and that, you, you and I have had those conversations before. You love the political intrigue love and the, the backroom dealing and all those things. And so, I, I don't like that stuff. Just give me a character with a goal and throw obstacles in their way and let me watch that. So, yeah, for me, like Star Trek would be just watching the, those sorts of political move, maneuverings. Very interesting to me. Um, but I immediately said Star Wars because it's... Um, it's definitely a struggle. It's messy. It's interesting. It, it is individual choices, and I do it really like that yeah. about it. I, I'm always drawn to hope um, in fiction, and I think Star Wars for me not only is a bigger universe sort of to play in, I feel like, because it's more fantasy-based, that mm-hmm. there you know there's layers and layers of mythology and stuff built into it, whereas you know Star Trek is more sci-fi in its pursuit of the story. Um, 
Star Wars is much more open, and I feel like there's always new places to dig into. doesn't mean that Disney and Lucasfilm are ever going to do it, but there's places where they can dig to give us things that we haven't seen before. Right. And that's what I'm interested in. And that element of hope is always present in Star Wars, that, that no matter how dark things look, people can always stand up and do the right thing and say no to the you know to whoever's standing on the wrong side of things and mm-hmm. um i like that hope D- to me it's inspirational um and it's much more believable to me uh on a, from an emotional standpoint than the perfect utopian whatever um so let's go to before we get to the big what i think are the big two okay especially to throw your way big two questions here's an easy here's an easier one uh when it comes to storytelling do you prefer the medium of television or the medium of movies? Oh, that's rough. Okay, so I will have to go with television. Um, I love movies. I really do. They are huge, big, grand things, um, but they are short. Now, later in time, as in the last couple of years, decade or so, we've gotten a lot of movies that have been like to be continued. They're part of a, a bigger universe, Marvel, um, or and a lot of movies that have been trying to do the same thing, trying to encapsulate themselves and tell a bigger story. Um, and I've enjoyed those greatly. I, you know, the twenty-three Marvel movies are like a season of fantastic shows so that's the thing about television is that you can tell more you can see more you can develop more you can have a a sidetrack like a side a side trip for your characters and still have it mean something for the story whereas in a movie where you jump on a planet that's like a casino you're going to get people really pissed that you spent 15 minutes there uh, because there's only (laughs) what could you be talking about oh i don't know because you only have two and a half hours to tell that story so i feel like television for me is better just because you can have much more development Yeah, I think it depends on the story. I mean, Mm. to me, a movie is like a short story. If you can tell it and tell it quickly and succinctly in that amount of time, that's the way you should do it. You shouldn't take two hours of material and drag it across eight episodes of television. Mm. But likewise, you shouldn't take 12 hours of story and try to condense it into two. I think that's why things like Dark Tower failed to do what they hoped it would do because there's no way you can even start that story. No. In in movie form, um, in a satisfactory way, you're having to condense way, way too much. Way too much. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think that's why you mentioned before that the Mandalorian and the Clone Wars, those things did well because we got to know these characters. Think about the character of the Mandalorian, who mm. doesn't say much at all. No. And we never see his face. You give somebody two hours of that, of a character who who you don't see really and who doesn't say much, and it's going to be hard to sell them out of the gate. But now that you've given them eight episodes, right, right. Which is like of four, The Mandalorian, and you've, you've gotten to know his character, and you've gotten to know the child, and you've gotten to know all the assorted characters that sort of gather around him, mm-hmm. now you could have a movie about the Mandalorian and people would go and watch it because you actually sold them on his character and the value of that character in a short, you know, in a short form series. So I really think it depends on the character um, and, and the, the, the story. story that you're telling. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm going to say, yeah, it sounds like a cop-out, but it's it's true. I don't know how you can land on one of those. I, I, I love both. I do, too. You know, I don't think one of my favorite movies, um, It's a Wonderful Life. I don't think you could do that in a series. No. Nobody needs to see. Twelve episodes of that. Twelve episodes of George Bailey. I love George Bailey. We don't need twelve episodes of him. But we do need every minute of the story as it exists. So, you know, likewise, I don't think. You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer did not work as a two-hour movie. Oh, gosh, no. It worked as a seven-season series. Yes. So um, so there's that. Okay, now I'm going to throw this one at you, and then and then we'll get to the two big ones. And this one is unfair, purposely so, and you're going to know when I say it. Okay. Firefly versus Farscape. Why is that not fair, Heidi? It's not fair because I haven't seen all of Farscape. Okay, so we're going to correct that on our YouTube channel, Pop-Up Fizzle. We can announce right here, just Ooh. for those of you that are listening. You heard it here fo- first, folks. That we are going to be reacting to Farscape. Now, I have seen Farscape in its entirety. Heidi is relatively new to it. She's seen a few episodes here or there. And I saw the season of the series finale the miniseries. miniseries yeah. Right. So she's going to be going through the series for the first time, and we're going to be filming our reactions uh, for that. You can find that on our Pop Pop Fizzle YouTube channel. Again, link will be in the description. So that was just my fun way of doing a versus, which was actually just me plugging something that we're going to be doing soon. So we'll skip over that because that's not a fair question. No. The big two. Okay. Battlestar Galactica versus... Doctor Who, Heidi Go. Oh no, that is. Oh bit- knows. Oh knows. Okay, so there is caveat to this. My answers. Okay, so there's fish we- eggs in this. Yes, there's fish eggs in it. No, maybe they're in a couple episodes of Doctor Who, but not anyway. Um, okay, so here is the caveat. I started out with Doctor Who. Uh, Tom Baker was my first Doctor, and I saw Peter Davison, and I saw Colin Baker. And then we did not see New Who until years after it started, and we caught up. We started, I'd was, say it, like, was it Matt Smith's second season? Yeah, but we went. We started with right, but I mean, he was in his second season when we started watching the two thousand five series. Yes, yes. Right. So we were we watched. We started watching New Who long after it started. Um, so I am not uh, somebody who's watched any of the Hartnell. Uh, one, two, three, and I, sadly, I didn't watch any of uh, Sylvester McCoy. So I can't. Even though we love Sylvester McCoy, we do. He's so much fun. He's so kind. Uh, just a treasure, really. Um, but so there's that, and then the other caveat being, I never watched the old Battlestar Galactica series. Right. So yeah, we're talking about um, modern day things. Yes. So we'll, I'm going to condense. Rondi Moore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to condense my answers to New Who versus remake Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Okay. Um, this is going to sound kind of blasphemous, but I'll have to say Battlestar Galactica right now. Okay. Okay. So it, to me, again, was a really well-told story over the course of several seasons. Um, 
we got to know the characters really well. We got to know their dynamics, their chemistry. Uh, we could understand the political problems. But again, this is my love. I love watching right. these sorts of things. That's so why you followed Battlestar Galactic into Caprica. I, yeah, I followed it directly into Caprica. And that I loved Caprica and nobody else you did. You almost said Caprica. <laughs> and I was like, from my point of view. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like everybody else thought it was crap. <laughs> which was just so sad um, because I enjoyed it so, so much. Um, so I love Doctor Who, without a doubt. Uh, all of New Who, uh, we anxiously awaited new episodes when we finally caught up and, you know, watching it was one of the highlights of our weekends because it, I think we had to watch it on Sundays, I think, was when we watched it, when we finally caught it. Um, it was just just fantastic. Um, the problem right now is that I haven't really loved this last series, and it's been off... Last two series. Last two series, excuse me. And it's been off the air for a while, and it's just like, even though Battlestar Galactica has been off the air for years and years, I know that I can go back and enjoy this the whole story from start to finish, whereas... One of the beauties and the aspects of Doctor Who is that it's never really finished, but I feel like there is some disappointment right now in just not really enjoying the stories. So it's kind of lost a lot of its shine for me. I gotcha. can go back and it's luster. It's luster. Yeah, I can go back and watch, um, you know, nine through twelve and enjoy those shows, but it's not something that gets me excited right this second. And I know that's blasphemous. I'm so sorry for all the people who really do enjoy it, and I'm not putting anyone down for it. I mean, by all means, do you love who? It's fantastic. But it's just right now, because I can go back and look through all of Battlestar Galactica and really just love all of it, I feel like I just like it more right now. Okay, fair okay. enough. Okay. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to limit my answer. I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to do a caveat like you did, even though I'm not fond of fish eggs. Um, <laughs> I am going to say if if we're talking about Doctor Who from the ninth Doctor through to twelve, okay, then I prefer Doctor Who. Okay, I I love Battlestar Galactica. I was in for that whole ride. I'm not sure I ever understood Battlestar Galactica. I'll say that <laughs> I enjoyed the ride. But I'm not sure when it landed the plane. If I, I kind of felt like lost to me. Like I, I enjoyed the ride. But when you landed the plane, did I understand what I saw? No, not really. <laughs> um, Doctor Who, I thoroughly enjoy the ride. And it's something I often go back and watch other YouTubers react to. Because oh. I love seeing their reactions to Doctor Who. I love seeing some of those clips from episodes again. And I've gone back and rewatched whole episodes and, and whole chunks of Dr. Who again, uh, because I've enjoyed it so much. So for me, as much as I love both series, Dr. Who is going to take the win on that one because it's the one I go back to more. And I think because it's more lighthearted in tone, usually mm. that I, I don't feel like I have to be in the right space for it. I'm always in the right space for it. I feel like Battlestar Galactic, I'd have to get my serious hat on, and sit down and pay attention. You have a serious hat? I don't have any hats. That's right. If I had one, though, it would be serious. Oh, I see. Um, so, yeah, for me, it, Doctor Who's going to take the win on that. Um, but it, it's no 
I'm not taking anything away from Battlestar Galactica there. Um, the casting on Battlestar Galactica is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting, fantastic. The writing, fantastic. The music, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's one of those that's, it's a hard call to make. But ultimately, you know, the same can be said of like I love a lot of the music from Doctor Who. I love a lot of the casting from Doctor Who. Um, I feel like we've watched actors and actresses from that go into other things that we've picked up on and, and watch things just because they were in it. Yeah. Um, and this seems true about Galactic. I've watched yeah. things just because Katie Sackhoff was in it, yeah. you know, and, and, and we loved it um, when Edward James almost was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We oh, loved yes. seeing him on there. And, and I just saw uh, Colonel Ty was actually on the first episode of Monk. Yeah. I didn't remember that until yeah, just now. Yeah, so so it's always fun to see those people pop up in things and kind of have those memories stirred up in you. I thoroughly enjoy Battlestar Galactic, and I, I definitely want to go back and watch it again because it's been a while mm. since I've seen the whole series, and so I feel like maybe I would understand it better now. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know that I'm any smarter now I than was I was say, then. I was going to say, have you grown up since then? I don't know. <laughs> Certainly not any more mature than I was then. Um, but I, for me, Doctor Who wins just because... I could put on an episode right now and be fine and just enjoy it. I'd laugh at all the things that made me laugh the first time. I'd cry at all the things that made me cry the first time. I would, um, and I, and here's the thing. We, you know, it, it puts us in an awkward position with the Doctor Who fandom if we say that we're not a fan of the 13th Doctor. Um, I don't think it's her, and I don't think it's, it's not the notion of a female Doctor. It's not the notion of... You know, yeah. Uh, let's let's put that there. P- PC or or yeah. SJW or any of the little things that people try to attach oh, to. Now there's the NMDs. People. There's the NMDs now. I don't know what that means. Not my doctors. Oh, so. Okay. Anyway, all those things that fandoms do to try to shut up the people that don't like the you know the current thing, that's fine. Um, but but that none of that is really the reason. I just. I just don't feel like I'm watching Doctor Who when I watch it. Now, that may be because I didn't watch Doctors 1 through 8. Well, I've, I've seen 8, mm. actually. Um, and I watched some of Tom Baker back in the day. I just don't remember much of it because I was too young. But I feel like, for me, it's just the fact that what I loved about New Who, it, it doesn't feel like it's there. I never feel like this Doctor is frightening. I never feel like this doctor is serious when she's supposed to be being dangerous and and sort of um, threatening, threatening and and uh, trying to intimidate the yeah. enemy. I never feel any of that, and it's not because she's a woman. Because no. there have been female okay. characters on that series for a long time that that did intimidate, and I did buy absolutely their and threats, and I did buy you know how scary they were. Heidi's bouncing because she bouncing. has something to say. I definitely have something to say. So, uh, spoilers for everybody out there, but there was an episode of the 13th Doctor's uh, series wherein she met some uh, another female doctor. Lots of controversy around that. But can I say, I would have loved to see that doctor. I would have loved to see that. She was the doctor. Because she me. felt like the doctor. She felt like the doctor to me. She was strong. She had the gravitas. She could be threatening. She was... Right. And I can I can buy her being silly, too, if it, there was an episode of her being silly. I could buy all of it. So, yeah. like, it's not... It's not Jodie Whittaker, necessarily, and it's not... Yeah, I think some of it's the writing. I think some of it's Jodie Whittaker, and I think some of it's just... I don't know. You know, it's, it's one of those things we say a lot when we react to series. We've been saying it a lot for Stargirl that when a show starts, 
it takes a while for the writers to find their footing. So we watched all the way through the first season of Doc- of the 13th Doctor, yep. waiting for them to find their footing and to feel like it was Doctor Who. Yeah. And it didn't. And then we jumped into the season after that and made it through and still didn't feel it. And so we just kind of thought, well, okay, whoever it is that they're writing for and whatever it is that they're doing right now, it's just not what we want out of the show. But the great thing about Doctor Who is that with every regeneration, with every new showrunner or whatever, it could be down the road again, something that we want to see. It's just not right now. And and, and it's okay. a little it's a little okay. sad for us as fans of the show, but yeah. at the same time, we don't, you know, we're not upset that anybody else digs it. Like we don't care. Just dig what you dig. Yeah. But it's just not for us. Yeah. Um and like I said, uh, I have no, obviously have no problem with a female doctor. Um, you know, it's a little different, a little weird, um, because the doctor has been male for so long. However, I feel like, uh, good writing, good casting and all of that plays a lot into it. And it's just unfortunate that right now it's not something that I'm digging. And, you know, I don't feel like it's fair or right for people to um, tell me that I'm not a real fan because I don't like this particular series. And unfortunately, and I say, I'm saying me, but like people like me or other people who have said out loud that they don't like it. I'm sorry that you, you know, it's not something that it's for me. But if you're loving it, go for it. It's fantastic. Right. Go for it. Well, and unfortunately, that's that's a part of every fandom. Yeah. There's a lot of gatekeeping, a lot of, well, if you don't like it, then go somewhere else. And and sure. I mean, I you know, we watch other things. But, um, but we can still be a little bit sad that our show isn't something that we love anymore. Yeah. Um, it used to be a show that we anxiously waited for new episodes of, and now we just don't care. And that's a little sad, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think, I think we've gone off on a tangent talking about that. But for me... What I love about Doctor Who stands out so much, like, you know, if we were putting them on scales, it would weigh so much more than my love for Battlestar Galactica. Even though I really love it, it just doesn't have the staying power for me, I think, that Doctor Who does. See, I feel like I should have taken your caveat and reduced it down to 9 through 12, and then I might, I might have had your answer as well. Okay. So, but I wanted to be inclusive, and so doing it that way, I still, I still, the scales tip just a little bit heavier for Battlestar Galactica for me. And now the final versus battle. Oh my gosh, that wasn't it. Okay, that wasn't it. The right. final. I'm ready. Versus battle, and this may not be difficult for you. Okay, I'm ready. All right, you knew it was coming. What? MCU <laughs> versus DCEU. <laughs> You know it's not going to be hard for me. MCU all the way. I'm sorry for everyone who has had the dream of the DCEU. Now don't chase away our audience, honey. No, no, no. Here we go. Um, of it being good. I really do. Uh, I, I've touched on it before. There has been so much interference run with the creativity and the ideas and the flow of DCEU uh, type movies that it's impossible to see where it even where it could have been like i see the ideas obviously there i mean they have a stable of fantastic characters that could have done really wonderful things and they could have had like a a fantastic um eu similar to the mcu but 
the all the studio maneuvering and interference and all of that people who are not creative trying to interfere on the creative process just brought it down it just did meanwhile marvel and that whole studio and then uh, later on with disney joining on board they said you are the expert you know how to make this story happen in a way that we can't do what you do, and they did. They brought it, right. and it's been fan- 23 movies later. There have been a couple of like slight clunkers in there that people, a lot of arguments over which one are the clunkers, but sure. there have all of it together has been so cohesive and so perfectly done, and so um, each movie had its own voice in that whole story, and it was fantastic. I, I think this is true of both the MCU and the DCEU that their weaker films still had moments that were plenty enjoyable um, mixed in with the stuff that didn't work. Yeah. Right? When I think of, like, Thor The Dark World, which if you were to pull a group of fans of the MCU, a lot of most people. likely that would be at the bottom of their list. Their clunker. Or, or somewhere close to it. Um, the Incredible Hulk is probably down there as well. Um, but for me... Both of those films have moments that I really like, that, that really work for me. And and then they have moments that don't, that just don't work. Um, likewise, um, I, I joked earlier about Batman versus Superman not being a very good movie. I will say I like the director's version of that better. Um, it, it's the... It's the ver- version I have on digital, I don't know. And I don't remember how much is added there, but it does have a little more, and I, I do... You know, there's a lot to like in it. So I think it gets a lot of heat and a lot of flack because of the, you know, Batman murdering people left and right and (laughs) and the Martha thing. But, you know, there's a lot to like in that. I think Henry Cavill, I think Henry Cavill is Superman um, as much as there were elements of Man of Steel I didn't like. Yeah. Um, I think he's a fantastic casting for superman i love henry cavill as superman Uh, i don't always like what they write for him but i like him as the character likewise nobody was more perplexed than i was that ben affleck was cast as batman and i loved him as batman (laughs) and in and in a stinker of a movie like justice league turned out to be and i'm sorry it's a stinker and i know we're going to get the snyder cut congratulations to all of you that petitioned and fought and argued and and stirred up stuff over that. You got what you wanted. And I don't think that it's like that gets written off as well that all the toxic fanboys won. I don't think it was that. I think it was people that knew that, you know, Batman versus Superman was a better movie in their opinion than Justice League was. And they knew that that Zack Snyder had to bail out because of, you know, difficulty, you know, a loss in his family, not his fault. And that what they got on the big screen wasn't his vision for that. And so I get it. And now hearing some of the controversy about events on the set and that kind of thing and some of the the issues there, it's no wonder that we didn't get uh, anything that was really worth writing home about uh, on the big screen. So I, for one, am curious to see the Snyder Cut of Justice League to see if I like it better. I hope I do. Um, Because Justice League should have been... Fantastic. An easy hit. It should have been... Yeah, I mean, it should have been just as big a deal as the first Avengers movie because people have been wanting to see these characters together. And I will say that even Justice League, with all of the stuff that I dislike about it, does some things right. I love, I love, I love the interactions between Bruce Wayne and Diana. I love them. 
I think they understand each other in a way that those other characters don't. And it has nothing to do, he said knowingly, mm. the, with the fact that I shipped those two characters since way back in the early, you know, in the old Justice League run when uh, I think it was Joe Kelly was writing that flirtation between the two of them. Um, but I, I very much liked that connection. And I liked the way that Bruce talked about Clark. The problem was that the movie and the movie that came before it did not give us Superman as a symbol of hope. So for Batman to say, we need him because he's a symbol of hope. He's what the world looked to. Well, no, they don't. And, and, and you didn't believe that five seconds before he died. So you're selling, you're trying to sell the audience on something that you haven't earned. Yeah. And, um, and so there were some issues there, but there are good things to mine out of even the worst of those movies. But when you're talking about 22, 23 movies now um, versus, I mean, what have we had? Five, six movies, mm-hmm. something of the DCEU, seven maybe? Yeah. Depends I on which been... ones you count and which ones you don't. Right. And so, um, I mean, I think, you know, I think Aquaman was a fun movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it wasn't great, but it was fun. It was definitely fun. Um, I have a soft spot for Suicide Squad. I don't think it's a great movie, but I thought it was a fun ride. Um, and so they're, you know, they're hits and misses on both sides, but I think at the end of the day, you know, Marvel takes the cake, MCU takes the cake because they have had, like Heidi said, a unified vision about what they want to do accomplish. Now, sometimes that means that stories get tied down to a certain thing because they have to fit in the framework. And I, and I get that sometimes maybe that's not the freest place for a creator to work, right? But I think the problem with the DCEU is that they came into the game late and then said, how do we replicate this thing? Mm. And they didn't want to put in the time to build it slow. Yeah. I think the reason that people cared about the events in Endgame and who made it out and who didn't was because we spent 22, you know, uh, two-hour movies getting to know these characters and caring about them and whether or not they live or die. And so I, I think that's something that the DCEU is missing out on. Right. Um, that nobody really felt that sad about Superman not making it out of Batman versus Superman because we'd only known him for one movie before that. Right. And he was just kind of snapping necks and destroying property before that. So it's not the same thing. No. And that's the thing. Like, even if you take the MCU and stop it at the Avengers and just go to the the movies leading up to the Avengers, the first Avengers movie, far and away, they just really outdo the DCEU. Far and away, that's a good movie. <laughs> they outdo the DCEU. And, and you know, I, I'm not down on them for it. Like, you know, it's just, I, I didn't dislike any of those movies. I didn't hate them. I, I'm not critical. I mean, I'm critical of the things that are worthy of being critical I'm looking of. forward to Wonder Woman 84, actually. Yeah, same. Um, you know, like Jeff said, there's, there's some still some still good things to find in the DCEU movies. But as, a, as far as trying to create a universe uh, where you care about the characters and you care about the team up and you care about what they're fighting about, far and away, Marvel has wins this. Not the Ron Howard movie, though. No. Okay. <laughs> Marvel wins this. So um, I, don't, I don't think that 
I don't think, I feel like there aren't very many people who would argue that the DCEU has done it any better. And I can, again, like I said earlier, I can point to obvious places where the studio's involvement and non-creative people's involvement have really run over what could have been great. If you if you think there aren't people online arguing that the DCEU has done it better, you haven't been online. Oh, I guess not. I try to not involve myself in a lot of <laughs> online arguments, honestly. And that's fine. Listen, at the end of the day, we, we've had, uh, what, 25, 24, 25 verses here just in this podcast episode alone. And the point is that it's all subjective. It's all your opinion versus my opinion versus your neighbor's opinion versus Joe at work's opinion. And everybody, do uh, you work with a Joe? I don't work with any Joes. Um, um, but um, maybe when I was in the military, there were a lot of Joes. But I think that <laughs> no matter where you land, it's really just about what you prefer. Uh, what kind of things do you like? What things matter to you? There's no right or wrong answer there. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I love the characters of DC Comics. I love the characters of Marvel Comics. If if somebody asked me comic book-wise to decide which of those things I prefer, it'd be really hard. If somebody asked me what universe I would want to live in, if I got to live there, it, it would probably be Marvel because stuff gets blown up a lot less. <laughs> People can live in New York and there's plenty of heroes to keep you safe there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I wouldn't want to live in Gotham or Metropolis. But um, anyway, but the point is there's no right or wrong answer. This is just us taking some of these ideas and talking about them, debating them a little bit and giving our opinion. Um, and we'd love to know your opinion as well. Um, so you can find all of our links for social media and that kind of thing in the show notes, um, as well as a link to my store. Uh, if you're interested in any of the stories that I write, um, also a link to our YouTube channel where we are going to continue reacting to DC Universe of Stargirl and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as BBC's class and coming soon. Coming soon. Farscape. Farscape. Uh, we also have a few other surprises coming. Um, we're not giving them all away here, but we're going to start doing some movie reactions, um, some good, some bad, um, and uh, discussing those as well. So stay tuned for those. Check us out on YouTube for that. Yeah. And that's it for us, I think, isn't it? I think so. All right. Until next time, folks, we're out of here. Mm-hmm.